0: Week 16 live from Arrowhead Stadium. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Sports Beat Live as we break down what happened in this 36 to 10 thumping. The Chiefs win over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now a six straight division title. We welcome my esteemed colleagues, my fellow beat reporter Sam McDowell. How you doing, Sam?
1: Doing well, Harvey. You sat next to me the whole game. You know how I'm doing.
0: <laughs> Come on, now we got to get the appearance. You're in a different room. I'm in a different room. Also joining us today are our college beat reporters here. We'll start off with Mizzou beat reporter Lila Bromberg. How you doing, Lila?
2: Good. How are you doing? Glad to be on again.
0: That's what I'm talking about. And, of course, everyone knows the incomparable. He's got the goatee going there. Jesse Newell, our KU beat reporter. What's going on,
3: Jesse? Things are going well. I'll have the second best beard here. Oh, the first best beard (laughs) just showed up. That's great. He's right here right on cue. You knew I was talking about him, too.
0: Vahe Gregorian joins the show. Vahe. Your beard is on point. Yeah, you're right, v- uh, Jesse. Vahe does have the best beard among us.
4: Great to be in the crowded house and glad we got another beard with us.
0: <laughs> well, hey, everyone, a lot to break down into here. First off, there's no Travis Kelsey, no Nick Bolton, no Lucas Niang, no Harrison Bucker, no Rashad Benton. No problem. The Chiefs came out here and just destroyed the Steelers with a convincing 36-10 to win. Vahe, you are the voice of reason here. What stands out to you the most from what you saw in today's game?
4: Well, it's it's like you have to go out of your way to point out that eight guys were out. Eight guys were on the COVID uh, reserve list. And this was a totally seamless operation from moment one. I think we all thought it might be a little bit of a grinding game, probably that the Chiefs would uh, prevail. But it was dominance. And I, I tell you, I find that very impressive, even though we know the Steelers are a shadow of themselves, for the Chiefs to just kind of keep coming out and, you know, to use the cliche, you know, taking care of business against a team like that with so many guys out. And the other thing, just a quick aside, is that, you know, we've seen that trajectory go up and and the arc of improvement. And it is, I think, important to remember that this stuff isn't just happening in a vacuum. You can think about how the offensive line and Patrick Mahomes have come together. You can certainly think about how with Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill out, I mean Tyreek was there, but he was not really uh, what he might normally be. How uh, Patrick Mahomes just you know adapted and and uh, had nine different players catching passes and big day for Byron Pringle. So there's a lot, a lot to like about this game.
0: Sam, you, I know you're writing a story. You probably already wrote it and filed it about Patrick Mahomes and how he had to adjust this week. You know he knew. He, The the likelihood of not having Kelsey and Hill was very real at the start of the week, both of them landing on the reserve COVID list. Hill comes off on Saturday, but as as Vahe mentioned, he probably was, uh, Chiefs were probably more concerned about his conditioning. So, you know, he probably held him back a little, but his adjustment to to what he was able to do out there today. Tell us about the story you wrote, please.
1: Yeah, I thought Mahomes had one of his best days of the season. And I also thought that the Chiefs potentially unlocked something um, and the way they had to prepare without having those two guys. Um, you know, I think a lot of times this season we've seen Patrick Mahomes squeeze footballs to Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill because those are his best two, most talented two receivers that he can throw the ball to. This week, when you, when you don't think you're going to have either of those guys, I mean, they don't learn until Saturday they're going to have Tyree Kill. They obviously don't play with Travis Kelsey. He had to prepare as if I can't worry about where who's catching this football. I'm just going with who's open, what my read is. And I thought we saw him play with a lot more patience than we've seen him play most of the season. You know, the best example is the Byron Pringle touchdown. He had over seven seconds to throw the ball on that. And he just waited. And, you know, we're all looking at, you know, the all 22 from the top of the press box here. And there's six or seven defensive backs and only three receivers ran routes on that play. And he just waited on somebody to get open. Um, the Derek Gore play was similar. His first read's not there. His second read's not there. He goes to his third read even in Vince's third read. He's the one that points Derek Gore down the sideline. It's similar to LA in the sense that they just told Patrick Mahomes to go play. Don't worry about getting Travis Kelsey enough targets, Tyree Kill enough targets. Don't worry about just throwing to the number one option on this play. Just go play. And if they can do that with those two guys back in the lineup, to me, that's the offense that we saw in 18, 19, and 20, and the reason this team's been what it is for the past three years.
0: And the scary part about that, you know you mentioned just go out there and play with the guys. And one of the guys he certainly was playing with was former Kansas State wide receiver Byron Pringle. six catches for seventy five yards on seven targets, including two touchdowns. Lila, you you wrote a story about Byron Pringle as well. let's let's talk about Byron Pringle. How was he able to have this game today?
2: Yeah, uh, he had a really impressive performance um when we talked in post game. You know, he talked about just really staying ready for that opportunity. Um, kind of knowing that he was going to have that bigger opportunity this week, but not, um, you know, really necessarily preparing any differently. He talked about how he just kept staying patient and ready. Um, I think the play from him that impressed me the most was his second touchdown. I mean, you know, he kind of just faked out two defenders and one of them, uh, you know, to their ankles um, on his way to scoring, you know, that touchdown. Um, And I thought that was a really impressive play from him. It was cool to see him kind of get more looks and be more involved in the offense.
0: Vahe, I know that throughout the season and even last year, you, you've been one of the staunchest supporters of Byron Pringle. Did this game right here finally give the team the confidence that, you know what, forget the number two guy and trying to find him. He's already here. It, it's Byron Pringle. It's, was this the game for him?
4: In a lot of ways, it was, right? This was kind of one of those hour of need games. And, you know, I have I've really liked him for a long time. And I think part of it's because I don't think people realize how fast he is but he's also big and strong. He's a little bit of a fusion of a couple of things that chiefs have had in the past in separate form, right? Tyree kills the fast guy. Hardman's fast. Sammy Watkins, big and strong. Byron's kind of a tweener. And sometimes I think that gets him overlooked, but he's also all of those things at once. I think he has dropped the ball more this season than I thought he would with more chances. He had a drop today, but as somebody pointed out, you know, he's not a guy that, that sulks after the drop. Now he had a game earlier this season where he, had a drop, had a nice catch, had another drop. But that's been largely uncharacteristic for him. I I think you saw a guy who's a, a really strong component of what they can do going forward if if uh, if they'll see him that way.
0: Rob mentions, is Herbie capable of referencing Pringle without saying K-State? Just saying? Uh, I think it's, that's almost impossible, Rob. Sorry, I can't help you out there. The first drive, though, I thought really set the tone for this game, the Chiefs' first offensive drive, and it was capped off with – one of the best runs that I've seen in the National Football League, Clyde Edwards-Alaire absorbing two massive hits in the backfield. He bounces off of them and, and just runs right in for the touchdown and has a, a crazy celebration. Justin, you, you wrote about that specific play. Walk us through that. What happened there?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, this is where Andy Reed was getting creative here. He put two extra offensive linemen out there, kind of getting creative with the guys that he did have. But uh, Allegretti didn't make his block. And then a middle linebacker from Pittsburgh, just kind of flew through there, and uh, edwards Lair was met in the hole. And you know he's faced some criticism earlier this year, but he bounced off both of them and scored. You could tell he was pumped afterwards. But the big story afterwards is just going to be his injury and the collarbone. That sounds kind of scary because if it is, you know, fractured, that's the sort of thing that could end a season. But it sounds like good news so far for the Chiefs. I know NFL.com's Michael Rappaport talked about how those X-rays X-rays were negative, so uh, we'll see moving forward kind of his status and, and what it is moving forward. We know the Chiefs have gotten creative in the past with the running back, so we'll see, but. I am glad our Rob mentioned the K-State thing, Herbie. I knew why you asked two questions in this panel, uh, of Byron Pringle, because it's going to be a K-State thing. And uh, going back to uh, Sam's point too. And also I saw Brian on the bottom line here made a very good point. Uh, you know, when you win a division, I, I think now you have to go back and you have to say, Hey, what were all the things that led to that? That now are the right, the, the right moves, you know, like did the victors go the spoils sort of thing. And, I think at three and four, you could have looked at the offensive line and said, why did the Chiefs do that? Did they overreact to the Super Bowl? Uh, But what Brian said, I think, is actually accurate. You know, the offensive line, I'm going back and watching these plays and five on four is what won Kansas City this game on both sides of the ball. You saw guys like Frank Clark getting after the quarterback, Chris Jones shedding double teams, uh, Jaron Reed getting after the quarterback, those sorts of things. I mean, Pittsburgh really struggled in that area. And the other part of it is exactly what Sam said. You know, when Patrick Mahomes was back there, he had all day he could. Uh, run around, and Tony Romo made this point on the broadcast, too, that um, you know, this is a physical running team now. They will punch you in the mouth. That hasn't always been kind of the Andy Reid mindset mentality. Sometimes it's kind of trickery and moving guys around, that sort of thing, but this team can beat you with physicality. I think that what's making them so dangerous. Now,
1: moving forward is that there's kind of multiple ways that they can beat you and they certainly go it today. The best example of that is look at what they do on third and short, fourth and short now. Absolutely. You know, last year, we had to write throughout the whole season that they've got to run these trick plays. And, yes. You know, the question was Andy Reid running too many trick plays. And at one point, I even wrote a story that said he's not running too many trick plays. That's just all he has confidence is going to work because they can't get the push in the interior of their offensive line. They're running fullback traps. when the other They've run it so many times that the other team has to know this is at the top of their play call sheet right now. I've got to expect that Michael Burton's going to run the fullback trap here, and if you go back and watch that play on fourth down on the opening drive, um, which is the tone-setting drive of the game, Trey Smith and Creed Humphrey just get a massive push to blow open that hole that any of the five of us could have walked through. And so, you know, it's it's the emphasis of their off season. It's been the most glaring turnaround that they've had in terms of an improvement for a Super Bowl team that I can remember, um, and I, I just think it. But it was obvious that that was not going to come together in week one and week two. Because of all the mechanisms that have to work together on football, the five on the offensive line has to, has to work mo- more cohesively than a lot of the other groups.
0: Evahe, how impressive was that offensive line today? Now, granted, T.J. Watt looked like he was in and out, in and out. Uh, Mike Tomlin knows that he's dealing with some rib injuries there. But for them, the, he only finished a game with one tackle. How impressive was this offensive line to you today?
4: Well, it, it was. Look, it, it always starts there. And, um, you know, this has been building for a while. The Chiefs are now able to be versatile in ways that they haven't been. But one of the things, I don't know if we underrated this, but I, I think we all understood it would take a little while for, at that time, five five new guys and three rookies to maybe come together. But I think we've seen all along that the talent's never been an issue. It's, it's in sort of the synchronicity of it all. And it's easy to forget that it's not just those five. It's how they align with what's happening in the running game. And most of all, the feel that they have for Patrick, some of this stuff is not in a textbook. Some of it is just poetry is the wrong word, but, but it is the sense of sort of fluid dynamics with how they work with each other. Some stuff, I'm sure they coach up every single element that they can, but some stuff is probably stuff that you can't even say, this is what you need to do here. It's Patrick feeling, where the pocket is, whether it's for a seven-second pocket um, or another one where you're pirouetting and getting chances to throw, I just think you can really see that that has kind of caught in these last few weeks.
0: You mentioned, you know, that offensive line there, and and I know, like as the second half of the season progressed, uh, we always heard some of the players and even. Uh, Offensive line coach Andy Heck saying that these, these young guys are not playing like rookies. They're playing like veterans. You know, you used the word rare for Creed Humphrey for a rookie to be what he's doing now. Sam, how, how important is it now as we get ready to go into the playoffs here? Chiefs now, you know, still have a one-game lead uh, over the Tennessee Titans, but how, how important is this for the continued transitioning into the playoff months for this offensive line?
1: Well, I mean, go back and watch last year's Super Bowl. I mean, I, I don't even know if I need to answer that we, we've We've seen the difference in when the offensive line is playing um, in cohesion versus an offensive line that gets beat on every snap. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's been a big key to their season, per, particularly the, this back half when you've seen those guys get some time together, and um, you know you can't win games in, in in January and in February when your offensive line's getting beat on every play.
3: We're going
0: to transition here to defense because I thought this defensive outing as well, it was pretty darn solid. You know, they gave up 20 plus points to the Chargers last week, 28. They hold the Steelers to 10. So now they're back to allowing teams to score less than 10 or more points. Lila, you know, your your guy Nick Bolton wasn't playing, but what did you see from the defense today?
2: You know, it's just been really impressive what we've seen just from a defense in terms of, you know, the turnaround as of late, obviously you mentioned, you know, last week against the Chargers, and allowing that many points against an offense like that. Um, but I just thought, you know, with Ben Roethlisberger at the state, he is kind of in his career now, you know, if you're getting the pressure on him, that they were able to get on him, you're going to really render that offense ineffective just because his ability to, I mean, his ability to move hasn't really ever been there that much, but, you know, even less so now. So. I think they did a really good job kind of getting pressure on the quarterback. I think there is also just a stat, you know, on the broadcast saying that this is the first time that, um, you know, the Chiefs have held opponents to, um, you know, 10 points or less in five, you know, home games in a row since 1999. So, I mean, that's a really impressive feat in itself.
0: This defense, Fahey, and we've written about the defense, all of us have written about the defense throughout the year. But as we come down this home stretch here, what what is the most impressive thing to you about it, about what this unit's been able to do?
4: You know, this is this is funny, but the first thing that stands out to me is, do you remember how much we just felt like they were whiffing on tackles early in the season? This team tackles well. You know, there's, there's so many things, but what's funny is not all of them are incredibly big things that you think, oh, that was huge, that was huge. It's a lot of little things. A couple position... Uh, uh, changes we've we've spoken about. Um a couple guys really blossoming. Uh like like, like LeJarius Sneed. I mean, I think Lajarius Sneed is on the cusp of being a star player. You know, Melvin Ingram, who is a guy we should mention today, just because he really was a Steelers giveaway. And I know he didn't have any big numbers today. I'm not even sure he had an official tackle, but I can tell you four or five plays that that he changed just with his presence. And you can't speak about his presence without um the 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 fact that it allowed the realignment that put Chris Jones back inside. So all those things kind of go together. Um so and I mean I'm at a point it's been this way for a few weeks now. For a little while you sort of thought, well, they're 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 kind of holding together and and maybe they have a chance to be okay. But that defense is an asset. And I I think I think it's going to keep playing out that way. Not that they can't be exploited, but I think they're pretty good.
0: Sam, if you remember a couple of months ago uh, in this press box, you and I were saying we have not seen it yet. You know, we 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 weren't believing that they could turn it around. But have what we've seen now over the past month,
1: what is impressing you about this defense? Well, I think just the abruptness of the turnaround. You know, I mean, Steve Spagnola said that um, they felt it the second half of Tennessee. Now that was lost on all of us because that Tennessee performance was pretty awful. They only scored three points, so we all. Uh, I think correctly focused on the quarterback and his game and the offense and what's wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs, that he said that their defense felt like they had grasped something that, that second half. And they've been different since. And like I said, it's just the abruptness of it. I mean, I, through seven weeks, you thought this team just doesn't have it defensively. There's not enough time to put it together. They need to make too many changes. Um, But they have made changes and largely with the same personnel. Like, I mean, Melvin Ingram's addition can't be understated. We've all talked about that. Um, But they've got Juan Thornhill in the lineup. That's made a difference. Um, They've altered Tyron Matthews' role a little bit because he plays with Juan Thornhill, a guy who's fast, who covers the back end rather than with Daniel Sorensen. They've got Chris Jones back where he belongs. Um, Jerry Sneed is a very versatile piece that they've been able to move around. Uh, Nick Bolton's playing more. Willie Gay is getting more comfortable. He missed the first three weeks, so I think mostly it's it's just getting the right pieces in the right spot. Now, you could say, why don't you have your pieces in the right spot coming out of training camp? Right? You know, it, do do you, do you credit the guys for turning it around as far as the coaches, or or do you criticize them for not having it right in the beginning? I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. You know, I think when stuff doesn't work, it, it's hard to to stop the snowball at some point, and that's where you do have to give this group credit: is, is they were able to to find something that worked. And because that's not just a battle with the pieces, that's also a battle with your team's psyche and the, the mentality of your group in the locker room as well.
0: Yeah, and it's been working. And on Sunday against, oh, I'm sorry, you were going to say, Vahi.
4: Well, just interject a quick number. It, it, you know, we could have fun with a lot of different numbers, but um, they gave up 203 points in the first seven games. They've given up 103 points in the last eight games. And that's just unbelievable.
0: And when you look at what they did with the Steelers today, Ben Roethlisberger completed 23 of 35 passes for just 159 yards, a touchdown with an interception, and he also lost a fumble. That, that, that interception, Shavarius Ward with that incredibly sick one-handed interception. I remember Sam took the Twitter and said, Shavarius Ward was the intended receiver on that on that route, right? <laughs> That's how sick that that, that interception was. Jesse, when when he made that one-handed interception, what was your reaction when you were watching that?
3: Well, it was impressive, obviously. They're making plays, but I, I go back to what I said before. Here's my visualization right here. You ready? Five blockers, four rushers. The Chiefs guys are getting through. You know what I mean? And even on that play, I went back and watched it, and Frank Clark um, stayed disciplined. I think that was the flea flicker play, wasn't it, uh, where you flipped it black, and Frank Clark didn't bite. He was just right there, and again, One thing leads to the other. And so again, when we're talking about big picture here and like where the Chiefs went right and where Brett Beach went right, even when it looked at three and four, like they didn't go right, it sort of goes back to a year ago and two years ago, what they did, which was they started with the pass rush. And um, Sam talks so much about abrupt. Maybe you guys can tell me. Frank Clark is like the most abrupt player of anybody out there, because to me, the whole game changes when he is playing at this sort of level where he's given the pressure. Cause again, you go back and watch and it sounds cliche, like, Oh, Chris Jones is taking the double team. Everybody else is single team, but it's so true. And, and some of those plays, Chris Jones is immediately just pushing the center out of the way and then going against the guard and still kind of beating him as well, but then gives a single team matchup for everybody else. But you have to win those. And uh, early on that first third down, who won? Frank Clark won his matchup. And then that flea flicker, when they get the big play, who won his matchup? Frank Clark won his matchup. So um, we want to talk about things that have gone right for the Chiefs defense. Again, we can go to many players, pinpoint what they did, uh, but I don't think there's anybody that's been so up and so down and so up and so down, and the Chiefs defense going with it as Frank Clark, and uh, when he looks good, man, they look good, but uh, early in the season, he didn't look good, and he kind of had that, you guys can tell me, kind of the press conference where he said he wasn't performing up to expectations, and the team needed more from him, and it seems like from that moment on, he just flipped the switch, and this whole defense has been different since. So um, I'd love to hear your guys' take about, uh, also, what you think has contributed most of going from three and four to where they are now? But uh, I think I go, went in and submitted my answer. I think they're a different team with Frank Clark playing like he is right now.
1: Yeah, you know, the defensive uh, scheme is designed around Frank Clark to win one-on-one. They get Chris Jones in the middle. And if you specifically look at that first third down play that Jesse referenced, um, Chris Jones is getting double teamed on that play. Yep. So Frank Clark wins his battle uh, initially and moves the pocket so Big Ben has to step out, which is to the, based on today becoming a more and more difficult thing for Big Ben to do in the pocket. Then Jar- he runs into Jaron Reed when he does that, another guy okay. that the Chiefs brought in to, to add specifically, hey, in case they give Chris Jones so much attention, this is another guy we want one-on-one at, with the offensive line. So then once he steps to Jaron Reed, he's got to step again, and now Frank Clark has already circled back around to get that sack. So the whole concept of this defensive line is exactly that. Frank Clark has to win on -on one-on-one. And at the start of the season, he battled two injuries. Um, You know, he obviously was going through some legal stuff as well that remains ongoing. And he acknowledged in a pretty candid interview with us that that stuff weighed on him mentally throughout the season. It wasn't just the physical injuries. It was what he was going through. And eventually he had to say, you know what? When I get in this building, my job is just to play football. And I'm healthy now, and that's what I'm going to do. And Jesse's right. I mean, he's been a different player for the past half of this season.
0: To Jesse's point about five on four, when when I think of the Chiefs front four now, I think of four defensive linemen who are, each one of them is capable of putting an offensive lineman on skates. In other words, they're just pushing them backwards. We see Melvin Ingram do that a lot. We see Chris Jones obviously do it a lot. Jaron Reed's now starting to come along. And Jesse, you are absolutely, I, I think Frank Clark and I think Vahe and everyone here will agree with me. I think he's having probably his best season In the Chiefs uniform since the Chiefs acquired him a couple of years ago. What would you say, Valle?
4: I I do think so. And I think it's interesting. Sam McDowell brought up a lot of different things about Frank Clark. I'm always reminded of most of the way, two-thirds of the way through the 2019 season uh, in Mexico City. Sam, I think that's where you had the conversation with Frank Clark, where you learned the extent of his neck injury. And I think very often we don't realize that we're not really understanding all the things these guys are going through one way or another. And, and I think sometimes assumptions are made that somebody just doesn't have it anymore or somebody doesn't care as much. And I think we have no idea what these guys' bodies feel like. There's a lot going on there that we'll, we'll just never know, especially when we don't get to be in the locker rooms to, to uh, have those kind of conversations. So tip of the cap, Sam McDowell for two years ago. Those were the
1: days. Just wanted to add that. Those were
0: the days. Hey, you know, last week, I think, was our last time actually going downstairs to actually attend a post-game press conference. We're back to the Zoom age. But you know what? Hey, I get it. Safety and everything. We saw the COVID, what it did to the National Football League over the last, what, two weeks? 200-plus players testing positive. NFL, NFLPA had to revamp their COVID protocols. Chiefs went into this game without a bunch of players. But, you know, they still won. The league is overcoming it. We can overcome it. But as we get ready to wrap it up here, Chiefs now sitting at 11 and four, six straight AFC West division titles. What can they do these last two games to keep that one game lead? And let, let's go right around the horn here. Justin, let's start with you.
3: Well, I just think, you know, they have so much going for them right now. They just, if they dominate on the line like this, I mean, this reminds me of the Willie Rofe days where every broadcast would talk about the Chiefs and the advantage they have on the offensive line. And I'm looking at, pass block win rate run block win rate on ESPN. The chiefs were third and third coming in. They're probably going to go up after this. So if you can dominate on the line like that, like Sam said, I mean, some of these plays that the chiefs ran today, uh, KU coaches, you know, got criticized on Twitter for, cause you don't run those plays on third and fourth and one, because they're easy to stop, but it doesn't matter for the chiefs right now because they block so well. And those guys, uh, yeah. Hashtag creed is good. I mean, those sorts of guys they are blocking so well. It, it just doesn't matter. And uh, you know, some of this stuff too. You you have that overall dominance, and then you sprinkle in Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Like I said, Andy Reid's putting all these linemen on the field because he has, knows he doesn't have the weapons he has normally. And if you go back to the second Byron Pringle touchdown, too, the RPO. Go watch Patrick Mahomes' eyes on that one. Um, there was a defender coming straight for the guy he was thrown for, and he goes, "Oops!" and goes off kilter to the side, brings one to the right guy, and Byron Pringle. He threw him open. It was a great play by Byron to break the two tackles, but it was an amazing play by Patrick there. So. You just have two guys at the very top of their games right now, and you add it to lines right now that are dominating both sides of the football. Uh, you basically just got to keep it up. And I know that's tough week, to week in the NFL. So we'll see if they can pull it off. But uh, right now this is a pretty good train rolling. So uh, I would give them definitely the edge to get that number one overall seed.
0: Let's hear it loud. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I definitely, you know, agree with the points that Jesse made and that they're on track. They're definitely a big test next week. I mean, I think Joe Burrow threw for, over 500 yards today so um you know and their offense has you know looked really good at times of the season obviously it was against a shorthanded raven's team has just kind of been decimated in the secondary but i mean that'll be a big test moving forward but i think with the way they're playing right now um you know i'd be shocked if they don't give it that top overall seed
1: mac yeah, I, I actually think that the Titans could lose another game. I, you know, it's it's kind of crazy a team that was three and four now. I'm, I'm thinking could be resting at starters in the 18th week of the season for in preparation for the playoffs. Um, you know, I I've long thought that the NFL's um, home field advantage was overrated. Um, a lot of road teams win these days, um, but I mean, Lila said the sad earlier. I mean, it's the way this defense is playing behind this home crowd. Um, I do think it's really important that they get the number one seed and that this this path runs through Arrowhead. And it always has since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. He's never played a road game in the playoffs, and I don't anticipate he will this year either.
0: Vahe, you made a point in the press box uh, about halfway through the game. You had mentioned you can't even remember the last time you had to go on the road to cover a Chiefs playoff game. So what did you do you need to do main, to maintain this momentum to get that number one seed, Vahe?
4: Well, it, look, I mean, it's, I guess it's self-evident. They've they got to kind of keep playing like they've been playing. Uh, it seems that it would be prudent to have a pass rush against Joe Burrow. Um, and I think being able to be versatile on offense, I think also uh, they probably don't want to add to this COVID list this week. That is kind of the weird X factor in all this. I mean, I still can't believe how many guys they had out and just didn't miss a beat. but. You don't know. It could it could balloon. It could it could come down. You just that's always looming now. So uh, stay healthy and uh, just, you know, play with the kind of singularity of purpose that they've been playing with. And I, I like the chances.
0: Yeah. And I, and I have to agree with everyone here, too. I, I think uh, Joe Burrow is going to be a challenge, but I think I don't I just can't see the Chiefs losing any of these last two games. If, you know, they're able to overcome COVID like they did this week. And hopefully, like Vaje said, there are no other COVIDs. Hey everyone! A belated Merry Christmas to everyone, uh, and if we don't talk to you until New Year, but we'll have another show before New Year. But happy early New Year! So for Vahe, for Sam, for Lila, for Jesse Newell with the goatee, but Vahe has the better beard. For producer Beth, I am Herbie Top, and this is the Kansas City Star Sports Beat live. We will see you all next week.